0: Other tone, tone 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 tone
1: tone Hello, I'm Michael Harriet, And of course, I know, you know, you're listening to Drape Toe Maniacs, Unshackled History. To be honest, we're going to ask you for a favor. Don't worry. I'm not going to ask you to cash at me. What we need you to do is to tell a friend about this podcast. Help us get it to number one. Help spread the word. You know, podcast is a different kind of medium in that it spreads mostly through word of mouth and friend recommendations. So tell your friends about it. Download it to your cousin's phone if you have to. This is the podcast that is made by black people for black people. We are going to have to make it popular ourselves. And so that's why we're asking you for this help. But for now, we're going to take you behind the scenes with one of our writers, Roderick Morrow, you may know him as the black guy who tips. He's one of the OGs of black podcasting, and he's kind of black history in and of himself. But you may also know him as Gustav from Diaspora Wars Part Two, as the lovesick letter writer from the first African Americans. He's been playing a bunch of different brilliant comedic voices throughout the season, and. He's emerging as one of the most brilliant comedic writers through this podcast. So please enjoy this conversation between me, Michael Harriet, and the black guy who tips. I listen to the black guy who tips podcast because Rod and Karen are
0: hot hey welcome to another episode of the Black tips podcast i'm your host rod joined as always by my co-host karen today's guest is author podcaster poet you may have read some of his work um, on the griot uh you may have seen him on cable news explaining shit to these white folks is black twitter legend michael Harriet? what's going on brother thank
1: you for having me i'm glad to be here I feel like it's full circle now that I'm on the black guy who took. <laughs> oh,
2: thank you, baby.
0: Oh, man. Well, we appreciate you coming, man. Um, first of all, can you tell people what the definition of drapetomania is? Because I know people are wondering, like, what what, is the name? what does this mean? Yeah. So in
1: 1851, this doctor in New Orleans came up with this, like a medical journal, and it was published, and it became a thing that there was a disease, a mental disorder that caused the black people to want to be free, and it was called oh. drapetomania. And the phrase isn't common, mm-hmm. but the result of it is popular. When you hear the phrase "whip the devil out of someone," that's where this comes from. Like he believed, like you could whip the devil out of him, and that is the cure for Tomania And in a journal article, he's like, "Like you could take them to the border state, right next to a free state, if you use this." technique that I thought, you gotta whip the devil out of them. You know, the Negroes are natural knee benders, but the drictomania just puts the devil in them. You gotta whip it out of them, and you can take them to a, a border state, and they won't even try to escape, because you got that drictomania out of them. Right. And so, Ooh. the concept of the show wow. is that, throughout history, there were always black people who were drictomaniacs.
0: How did this project come about, Michael? Like, what was the what was the inception of the idea and all that stuff? So,
1: during the pandemic, right? Somehow, I don't like you know famous people ride like famous <laughs> people could just they they could just get a phone number right and just like I don't know they got a magic address book mm-hmm. that they could just get somebody's if phone they want number to reach
2: you. They and will so Pharrell, find a way. like
1: one day I was at McDonald's and Pharrell called me, and so we developed kind of a a friendship over the pandemic, and it wasn't about. Like we really never talked about business, or of course I ain't gonna talk to Pharrell about music because, like, yeah. like, why would you talk? Like that's like to me, like talking to Jordan about his post moves. <laughs> you know, when I'm in the post Jordan, uh, <laughs> i would spit like You know, I like to spin right. <laughs> because, so we just talk about whatever, man. Right. And so one day we were talking about like ideas, and I was telling him about the idea for this podcast. And he was like, man, we should do it. And so like maybe a week later, he had me with our executive producer, Nalika, and we were recording the pilot and Sony was on board immediately. So for the past three years, like Pharrell has been just basically like waiting for me. Like you ready to do this thing? But every couple months, he'd be like, Hey Mike, y'all ready to do this thing? And so When he finally asked and we were ready, we put it together. And the the thing I think I'm proudest of is all of the stuff that we talk about, about how Hollywood could be doing this. They could hire more black writers. Mm -hmm. They could have a a room that is more inclusive. They could have a room where people could speak up. They could have a room where people could object to something and people wouldn't be afraid to say, We did that shit. Like, we really did that shit. Right? Like, it ain't no white hands on this thing. And it's not, not just. Diverse in terms of, you know, black people, but it is gay and straight and queer and all spectrums of the mm-hmm. gender and sexuality and marginalized people and geography and how we think and conservative. And it's all, it's the diaspora, you know, working on it. Yes. It's, and I'm proud of that.
0: Yeah, I, same here. And I'm proud to be part of the process. And it is a process. Like, it's tough. You know what I'm like? I think um like it's fun and you have to have like a lot of trust undergirding everything you know i think that's the only way it works some of the ideas to me are so like radical and so that's why it's almost like harder to implement these ideas right because this is the the easy way out for many other shows tv shows and stuff is just to be like get those blacks out of the room okay they keep bringing Uh -uh, they keep bringing up shit. And I don't like, I don't like, I just want to put my shit out there. And in this case, it's like somebody will come with an idea and be like, oh, what if we, I don't know, like for example, uh, especially when you're talking about black history, so much of it is taught through what white people said and what they thought and who they erased and stuff. And so sometimes it's like, we should create a character here. And this character is going to be, this character is a gay character who is a comedian and is this and and so you have to like then go and create that archetype fill that world in from their perspective and stuff and as far as the audience is concerned as far as white people's history is concerned this person never existed but as black people we know all kinds of black people always existed throughout all the time Mm -hmm. so we get to take those liberties and so a lot of this is about pushing the boundaries of your imagination of like yeah why can't we do that because i think when you're talking about black history, you're talking about a lot of traumatic stuff that happened to us. Right. But I don't have any, I, and I've never felt any shame in it since I was a kid because I don't, it's something that happened to us. The people that should be ashamed are obviously the people that did things to, like, how you gonna tell a story of slavery and be like, you know who's ashamed? The black people. It's like, what? <laughs> what the fuck? So I, I, I always kind of rejected that, but I think a lot of people still are stuck in that shame and it can make it kind of hard to do the work that you're doing um and especially when you're doing it so publicly on like black twitter Mm -hmm. so do you have like a subsection of black people that are like that's enough mike we talk about something else
1: yeah so there's there's always a few of those people but the truth is right like i know that there are some of those people but whenever i encounter some of those people right i give them grace because I realize the world we live in. Like all of us be trying to survive whiteness and that's just a coping mechanism right. to adopt the tenets of whiteness. Right. And to be mad at people like like they like the white people. They mad at me. And maybe they might think that gets them closer in proximity to whatever they're trying to reach.
0: Yeah, I always like I remember when uh, the TV show Un- oh, came out. I um which I, I love that show. Mm-hmm. Um but I remember before it even had an episode air, Snoop Dogg was like, man, why we always got slavery movies and TV shows? And I'm like, Snoop Dogg, name two other slavery shows. Like, <laughs> like, like a man that, that spent a lot of his life, you know, uh, promoting things that people felt was negative towards the black community is like, Okay, but y'all making a show about black people trying to escape slavery, that's too far, okay? Now, if y'all want to listen to these pimp albums, come on back. I always thought that was funny, like (laughs) the the cognitive dissonance that people have, but I think it it does. I do have more grace for black people, obviously, than white folks that that have that, because I think it does come from trying to uh, cope with the trauma, man. And as a person in America that's dealt with that trauma and deals with that trauma on a daily basis, I can at least relate to that as opposed to your Ron DeSantis, like shut the fuck up. Ain't no slavery. Y'all now get back into your, uh, g- now get back on the cotton fields. You know, like I feel like that's a different vibe.
1: <laughs> I love the ground too, man. I thought I was wondering why that didn't win. Like all the Emmys. Right. That was one of the best shows. So good. Had-
2: Particularly with a as somebody, Uh, I, I kind of pick at Roger. I caught, Roger was kind of the woke kid among, you know, between me and him. So he knew (laughs) a lot of this shit and read before the Mayflower and all that stuff. Me, no, you know, and it's more of my parents, like a lot of black parents, they just trying to get you through the school system Mm -hmm. and they're working two jobs overnight and all that shit. So they don't really have the, some parents are actually black parents don't have the luxury nor the time, uh, because of white supremacy. They actually teach you and 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 be concerned about those type of things when they're just trying to get you to school, uh, keep the lights on, keep you fed and all that type of stuff. So I went through the school system not knowing a lot of things. So when I get introduced to things like um, a lot of these things are new to me and it's one of those things to where I am grateful for. Black people that knows this shit to give black people grace that don't because you have a lot of black people. They kind of want to shame black people for not knowing when you know the system is rigged and you know the system is fucked up to not teach these people these things.
0: I think it's interesting though because I feel like that's an insecurity that people carry with them. I don't know how much that is actually like carried out in real life. Like I think of the people that want to educate other folks typically come with love towards other black people but i think it's an insecurity like y'all are gonna shame me for not knowing this i remember when we talked about on the podcast before it came out and i remember the trailer came out and i was like i want to see this shit What the fuck? When did this come out? You know? And, you know, we talked about Snoop Dogg and stuff, but there was like apprehension at first from YouTube being like, it was like, oh, what? Like, oh, it's about slavery. What is this going to be about? Da, da, da. And I remember being like, man, it's black people in charge. This is what we've been asking for. We don't want, like, when people talk about not wanting stuff about slavery or oppression, a lot of times it was like through the lens of white Hollywood and white decision makers. And so, black people within the industry, when we fight to get our hands on our own stories and tell our stories from our perspective, I always feel like that's when we need to give grace, give it a chance. And a lot of times, that's when you find out. Oh, I I don't like, I don't dislike this. This is actually like (laughs) underground was one of those things. I was like, yo, I love this. What is this? What we? How can we get more of this? And it was clearly because black people were telling that story about black trauma. Through the lens of blackness, and that was that felt so much different.
1: That was an excerpt of my interview on the Black Guy Who Tips podcast. You should go ahead and subscribe with Rod and Karen. I want to thank them so much for inviting me on, and I want to thank you so much for listening to Drake Tomaniacs Unshackle History. If you can, please take the time to subscribe to the show and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Really, it actually helps. And of course, we'll be back next week with a full episode of Drapetomaniacs Unshackled History.